Hello and welcome to season two of the Bang to Rights podcast. My name is Peter Murray. I'm a lecturer in multimedia journalism here at Manchester Metropolitan Uni and it's good to be back. I'm joined here in the studio today by my MMU journalism colleagues, Dave Porter. Hello, Dave. Hi, Pete. And by Jeremy Craddock. Hi, Jez. Hi, Pete. So um, we're back here in the studio for a second season of the podcast. Now, I could say by popular demand, that would be a bit of an exaggeration, but it is true, actually, that we've had loads of positive comments and feedback from students about the first series. So hopefully this season will run as smoothly and you'll find it as helpful as before. And remember, as before, you can follow us on Twitter at RightsBang. And please do get in touch if you have any comments or want to suggest topics for this next run of podcasts. But to kick things off for this season, for this uh, for this episode, a usual race around what you've been reading or watching this week. Dave, what's caught your eye? Uh, this week, the Hillsborough trial, of course. And mm. uh, I was quite intrigued interested to read about the selection process for the jury um, the jury uh, initially 100 people were selected 100? 100 people they each had to undergo a question uh, um, the questioner asked them about their football allegiances um, whether they had any relations with the police what they knew about the, the story um, and even at one stage the 100 um, the, the two defendants um, were, were brought in uh, and um, they to see if they recognised them or, you know, what the reaction was, etc, etc. And so 68 were, following the questionnaire, were excused and uh, 12 remained. I think part of that was that the judge said, listen, this is not an ordinary trial. Um, I'm not, we're not just looking for people who might have prejudices uh, to wean those out potentially, but actually it could go on for four or five months. And so if you've got any holidays booked or any long-term illnesses or whatever, it was all part of that process, which uh, is interesting. And, and I've, we've kind of talked in the past, haven't we, about you know the possibility of, of uh, questioners for defend uh, juries on sex cases? So, mm. um, one to watch, quite interesting, mm. yeah. And, and a warning from the judge as well, or advice from the judge don't look at any social media, of course, and, and, you know, yes. previous accounts, don't search yes. for any, any information it, about, about the, the disaster sure. originally or, yeah. or the, the public inquiries Contempt and so on, and the inquests. Yeah. 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 A difficult yeah. one if it's going to last for five months, isn't it? To avoid, oh, yeah. That yeah, absolutely, yeah. have to be very disciplined. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Jez, what about yourself? Yeah, um, not particularly media law, but uh, media in general, and particularly sort of local reporting, really. But I just saw the, the headline of the, um, the news that 12 months into the local democracy reporters scheme, uh, which is the, the scheme joint between the BBC and the News Media Association, 12 months in that uh, reporters have filed 50,000 news stories in, in the first year. Uh, and apparently the, skill, the scheme has filled 90% of the planned 145 local democracy reporter roles. So, you know, that's obviously um, a good figure of, of how that, that uh, scheme is working. Um, to try and kickstart sort of local coverage of local councils, I guess, really. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see whether the, the programme kind of continues, whether they have another round of yeah, it, whether, whether it expands. I mean, exactly. we, Dave, Dave, you and I saw the people at Facebook at the NCTJ conference yes. who were talking about Facebook's investment it's a continuation, in a similar kind of thing. Similar yeah. kind of thing, and I think it has to be for the good. If, if, mm. if people are uh, reporters or unearthing stories which would otherwise be not covered, exactly. and, yeah. uh, you know, we, we have to accept the industry as it is now. We don't have mm. reporters at council and the way that we did, and indeed court. It's a fact. So local, local democracy is not really being scrutinised, mm. as it should be, and hopefully this scheme yes. will rectify that or go towards rectifying it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been reading um fascinated for the for weeks and weeks now about the uh, the um 
Paul Massey murder trial, uh-huh. um, Paul Massey and John Kinsella, um, uh, which has been uh, just con- concluded yesterday. The jury came back after more than 30 hours of deliberation yesterday um, with uh, guilty verdicts um, against Mark Fellows and his accomplice Stephen Boyle. Um, and they've just been sentenced just before we came into the studio. Um, a full life term for Mark, for Mark Fellows and, and for a and, and life sentence for Stephen Boyle over that. Um, it's been fascinating for me to, to watch, although I've not been at Liverpool Crown Court, yeah. every morning as I've come into work, the uh, police convoy, so there's a, a prison van and four or five police cars, sirens blaring, blue lights flashing, mm. have been roaring up the road um, along Eccles Old Road and then through the, the, the roundabout and down onto the M602 to take the defendants um, to, uh, to Liverpool Crown Court. So that's been a daily ritual for me mm. and it's been interesting as well. The, I don't know whether the police have done it deliberately, symbolically, uh-huh. but they're running mm. through some of the streets very, very close to where mm. the murders actually happened. Yeah. And I don't know whether there's a symbolism Try there. To send a message. Yeah, 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 a message yeah, to maybe. the community that you know people will be brought to justice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, doubly interesting as well as part of the, um, the, the backgrounders that have been running last night and this morning um, where people have gone back to an unbroadcast interview with, with Paul Massey himself in 1998 where he almost predicted his own death at the hands of a gunman. It's like myself, you know, I could be shot dead any time. I've, I've realised that for years, but it's meant to happen, it's meant to happen and that's the end of it. I'm prepared to uh, face that. I know the stakes. I picked the bastard, he did it after. <laughs> Forget about the crazy having people coming out of woodwork. I know you're going. So, you know, that's the only reason what's really, I think, kept me alive today, is because the person who fires that shot knows that they've got to fly the flag and angle the pressure after it. They're not going to be able to angle it. They're getting it. Because too many people around me, you know, are friends. They're not associates. They're friends. It's personal friendship. And there's a difference between personal friendship and having guys around you who are just your friends. I've got personal friends all over, and then personal friends wouldn't lie in bed at night if what happened to me. I know that fires the first if anything happened to them. The other thing that's been interesting, really, just to, to say that the, the Manchester Evening News has played an absolute blinder on, on covering this story. They've been in the court every single day um, throughout the trial and doing some really, really brilliant coverage. And, mm. and, and some of the stuff that they've had um, in the paper this morning um, is, is really, really great. They've got a really good backgrounder about how a gangland feud exploded into bloody violence in oh. 2012 through to, to 2015 when, when, Massey was actually, when Paul Massey was actually killed and then John Kinsella um, later on. So fascinating stuff and, <laughs> and it's really interesting the way that they've been able to know the, the way that they're able to report a whole lot of stuff, including that uh, a number of newspapers and outlets have been reporting the fact that um, when Stephen Boyle during the trial gave his account of how Mark Fellows handed him a bag which contained the gun, the mm-hmm. pistol that he just used in the shooting. And he gave that in evidence. And uh, Mark Fellows kind of drew a, an imaginary knife across his throat mm. to, to threaten and accuse yeah. him of being a grass and, and yeah. uh, breaking that, that uh, omerta. 
Now the jury didn't apparently didn't see that, mm. and <clears throat> apparently some of the media people on the benches didn't see it either. But now we're able, or newspapers have been able to report all of that. So mm. that's another one of these things that we yeah. have to be careful about. You know, reporting <clears throat> restrictions and yeah. not reporting things that the jury doesn't see. Sure. But you know, um, yesterday afternoon it came out in uh, in a lot of the coverage that this had happened, mm. and uh, you know what what impact that might have had had the jury seen it. Mm. Yeah, very interesting, stuff, isn't it? Yeah, so so that's that's that, and uh, yeah, do by all means read some of the coverage. And I said the the, the MEN has played a an absolute blinder for that, so mm. uh, that that's been good to see. However, our main story for this week actually looks back a couple of weeks to coverage of the arrest just before Christmas there of Paul Gate and Elaine Kirk, who were arrested and then released without charge after the series of drone sightings around Gatwick Airport. Now you'll remember a one around a thousand flights were affected during one of the busiest time of the year for the airport between the 19th and 21st of December. What followed during the questioning of, of Paul Gate and Elaine Kirk were really some pretty lurid stories in the press which left the couple, they said, feeling violated by, by that coverage. Now, it's the kind of episode that news outlets have been warned regularly to avoid, but you know, it looks like we're back here all <clears> over <throat> again. Depressingly so, yeah, I would say, Pete, you know, it has echoes of, you know, Chris Jefferies yeah. and his yep. ghost occasions, monstering by the press. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? I was just uh, preparing a lecture for the master's students and I, and I had Will Cornick, who was, uh, of course, the, the, the young uh, student who, who knifed to death a, a one of his teachers and he was named and pictured, uh, you know, in between upon his arrest and pre-court mm -hmm. and interestingly that's a that in terms of Ipsol that's a grey area legally which Ipsol has now stepped into mm -hmm. uh, and updated its code to yep. say editors should not name um, individuals unless they've been named yeah. and it refers because the legislation covers yes. for the period from the start of the that's trial right, unless it? you yeah. appear in court mm -hmm. but uh, it's interesting that Ipsol has no real or appears to have no real input on this or view mm. on naming of individuals you know we've had Paul Gambaccini uh, all these various various cases and uh, the only form of redress seems to be perhaps defamation perhaps you act to be forgotten perhaps privacy um, mm. Yeah, it's uh, well. The, the couple's solicitor was saying that they, because now they're that they're not able to live where they were living previously. Mm. The couple, and they're probably going to have a, a, a case with uh, Google under the you know right to be forgotten. Yeah, legislation and that. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's been interesting too <coughs> seeing how Impress, for example, and hacked off the the organisations mm. have kind of stepped in on the back of this and said. What we know, what they they're kind of backing the idea of changes or new legislation rather, mm. a new kind of privacy law to to stop this happening again. What, well, the what only do we thing I would that? say about that is that you know I I awful lot of sympathy for this couple, but you know we can see privacy being increasingly used by you know rich and wealthy people as a means of uh, pulling a, a blanket mm. down on press coverage, especially where you know business people are being investigated. We you know any student only has to go look at Mike Nays. Uh, to see where this has happened, um, maybe uh, individuals are being questioned or uh, even named as a suspect in a possible criminal investigation. I'm not saying this was, but you know, it's not whether whether you have a law mm. that would uh, protect the drone people, but actually would also protect mm. people who maybe shouldn't be protected. It's a difficult one to yeah. adjudicate upon. Well, I, w I was reading um, during the coverage of this, and there was a report that. Jill Phillips is the Guardian's Director of Editorial Legal Services. I think she'd spoken at a, a media law conference and she was talking about this point about mm. how actually 
a lot of um, these instances now uh, complainants are pursuing the privacy law rather than sure. the defamation law because yeah. it's perhaps a more you know uh, a cheaper way of oh. getting justice really um, so th she, she was saying that they've seen a, an increase in privacy um, cases rather than defamation which is an interesting trend isn't it really yeah and we'll, we'll, we'll Jill Jill Phillips is coming to to MMU in a couple of weeks time actually she's right. going to be doing a couple of lectures for us so we'll get her on the podcast mm. um, fingers crossed and we'll be able to she, you know she'll give us more information about oh, that because that yeah. is when, when I when I met her a couple of months back she did say that that's that's one thing that she's advising all our journalists to be very very aware of oh, that, yes. that you know that's um, that that new form of stuff. Well, I mean, one of the the things that happened immediately after the, the these articles appeared in in a couple of the newspapers um, about the drone arrests or but the, the couple being questioned. Um, Anna Subri, mm -hmm. the the backbench MP, she <coughs> repeated her call, which she made initially, I think, last year, middle of last year, for what she's calling Cliff's Law, in yes. response to the the Sir Cliff Richard um, episode and the the. The, the judgment in the appeal court about oh. that. So there is there is a bit of uh, legislation that's been tabled in the House of Lords, a kind of preliminary bill. Um, and the I was reading just a, the other day that the head of the the, the chair of the, the Justice Select Committee says that he's kind of looking forward to, to dealing with this in the coming year. It's going to be interesting to see whether actually that does get any real traction in, in the House of Commons post, or in Parliament. I climate. Yeah. Given the high-profile nature mm. of this case, mm. um, I wouldn't be surprised if we do eventually they concede some form of legislation. Mm. Uh, I'm not entirely sure whether that's in the long-term interest of the press. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think during, during PMQs, uh, Prime Minister's questions, I think earlier in the in the autumn, Theresa May said that she wasn't really um, in favour of this no. kind of thing, that it was really the job of the regulators and the newspapers themselves mm. to take this on rather than uh, the job of Parliament to legislate about it. So it's, it's going to be very, very interesting if it does actually come before the House, yeah. of the, the floor of the House of Lords yeah. or, or the House of Commons. And any such legislation, you would hope there may be some provision for it to be lifted in the public interest, you know. Sure, absolutely. Certain, yeah. you know. Which, uh, which I guess <coughs> actually remains the case in in this case because well, the does, yeah. you know the police at, <laughs> yeah. at the time they said they they didn't believe that there was there was any public interest mm. in releasing the names because they have the right to sure. release the names of people who who have been arrested or who are being questioned, mm. Mm. and they decided that there wasn't any interest in that, and that that was to some extent covering their backs because they wanted to make sure that they weren't in the firing line for releasing yes. their names as being the source of this. We still don't know where the source, yeah. who, who it was that released no. the names of these two people. I mean, ACPOL, ACPOL College of Policing Guidance is very clear about mm. they don't release the names. Yeah. So it, mm. it's it's a media issue. Mm. Yeah. But of yeah. course, uh, leaks <laughs> are another thing. Among other things, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we still don't have the source of that leak, and crucially, actually, we still don't have the the pilot of of the drone pilots of the drones, and, or even even whether there were actually yes. drones. So um, yes. yeah, we're we're a bit of a loss. Anyway, um, I remind you, you're listening to Bang to Rights from the MMU Journalism Unit, and if you have a view on that story, remember you can tweet us tweet us at RightsBang. Please get in touch because we would like to hear from you, Dave. We've been back in court this week, haven't we? We have yet another appearance, Pete. <laughs> I'll see you in court, as they yes, say. Yeah. Well, actually, we'll, we'll come. I was I, I was in the dock for for this little occasion. Tell tell people what we were doing. We in court. have been across the way to the law school, who have yeah. the very own uh, mock court, which is fantastic, and they use it to train, you know, uh, student barristers and, and solicitors. And we've increased. We've made a connection with them, and we've asked if we can utilise it. And they were fantastic about that. But we're, we're doing a project with the tech guys over at the. 
business school who, uh, and this is something I've thought about, but they came to us with a suggestion. We're going to do some virtual fo- uh, virtual reality footage of the law school so that students can have an immersive experience. Uh, it's very early days. We just went in there to kind of do a, a basic tour of the courtroom. You know, uh, as Pete says, he was in the dark. I was a prosecutor. <laughs> we had a couple of master's students there. Um, and it was, it was good fun. Um, we had Dee Venus, who is our... Uh, Technology Enhanced Learning Advisor. Dee, if you're listening, I hope I got that right. Um, but Dee was man with providing the techno- technical know-how with a GoPro camera, and Dee's going to come back with the finished stitched-together product footage, and it'll be quite interesting to see how that develops. And if it's successful, we're going to do, hopefully, some full court cases and scripts, and who knows where, what, what may lie ahead. Yeah, so let's have a little listen to, to what happened the other day. Here on uh, on Bank to Rights, we're back in the law school again. We're back in the virtual courtroom. Um, Dave, uh, what are we here for? Uh, we're not for an appearance, uh, <laughs> but actually to... Uh, it's a new project. It's a collaborative project with our uh, teaching and learning uh, department and uh, tech department, and also with the law school. Uh, we're in the law school's courtroom, which is where they teach students how to become uh, barristers and solicitors and... Uh, but also, because we teach media law, it's a fantastic opportunity for us to bring our students in. But actually, what we're doing today is very different. We've been filming for to create virtual reality footage so that students, both journalism and media law students, journalism students, can in the future take a virtual tour of the courtroom. Okay. So we're, we're here with Dee, um, who's our kind of camera operator for today. Um, quickly, do you want to introduce yourself first of all? So yes. Tell me who you are. Uh, my name's Dee. I'm the teller for the Faculty of arts and humanities. Uh, I work for learning and research technologies. My aim with this kind of technology is always to take it out to the people, to get students involved and make it available to everybody. Because I always think with a 360 tour, you allow people to view it who may not get the opportunity to view these things, but also to create a new experience rather than the two-dimensional aspect of it. This kind of law court is perfect because once it's full of people playing the parts, I think you could have a really good experience and if you have potential students who want to come to Manchester, it would give them a new opportunity to look into a law court and say it operates. It's being done in Amsterdam uh, by the police where they're using it for virtual scenarios for crime scenes so you don't always have to take the jury or the judge to see it. They can actually see it online and immerse themselves within that environment. And I think this kind of opportunity would enhance what they're doing also. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a loss for us as journalists actually because those occasions where the jury goes out to a, a location, that's when you can you can take a camera crew along with you so you can actually get pictures. So for for me with a broadcasting background, they're a real blessing actually. Occasions like that because you can build that into your story and enhance your coverage with it. But but actually they're using that in the Netherlands as part of the legal procedure yes. now. Yes, and I mean I always I always if you hop back to. The, the chat the ripper if they had it then mm-hmm. i'm sure they would have sold and found the right person then <laughs> but it's, it, it's that kind of thing you know if we have the opportunity why not use it and make it an integral part of what the students are experiencing yeah, yeah so dave how are we going to use this for for uh, the media law courses well you know as we teach media law what, 
we do a lot of teaching on um, you know, the basics of court reporting. What's a magistrate role? What cases appear at magistrates? Which cases appear at Crown Court? What's the role of defence? Prosecution, the press, of course. And, you know, it's all very well having slides and, you know, McNays to explain, but it's a fantastic um, resource. It will be a fantastic resource for students to immerse themselves in a virtual uh, courtroom and really to bring it alive to them so that they understand completely we do take students out to yeah. the magistrates, but that's a kind of extracurricular thing, and not all students are able to make it because it's an employability week. So this would be something they could call upon um, to further their studies. Okay, that's great. Dave, Dee, thanks very much. Back to the studio. And back here in the studio, that's just about it for Bang to Rights for this week. But before we go, Jez, Dave, what can the students expect in the lectures this week? Uh, well, this week, uh, Level 5's Media Law and Regulation, we're looking at IPSO uh, rather aptly this week. So, mm-hmm. um, well, yeah. by a happy coincidence, I've just started IPSO with the master students. Yeah. Um, next week, it will be uh, looking at Ofcom. Yeah, and the same for the Level 5's doing Ofcom next week. Yeah, well. so we're, we're kind of onto, onto reg- regulation and so on this sure. term for, for the students rather yes. than the, the statutory stuff and, and court procedure and so on. Uh, but uh, we will be probably organising some court visits later on in the term and possibly to an inquest, I think. Definitely, yeah. Well? We were talking about Clause 5 this morning, intrusion yeah. to grief and shock, and we mm-hmm. were talking through inquests and the reporting of suicide. So mm-hmm. I promise for students that we'll definitely go and attend an inquest. Yeah. Mm. OK, so thanks very much. Um, short and sweet this week, but uh, it's great to be back. So we have been Bang to Rights. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Jez. Thanks, Pete. And remember, you can subscribe to Bang to Rights on Apple Podcasts. And as usual, you'll also find us on Stitcher, or you can search for Bang to Rights on the MMU Northern Quota SoundCloud feed. It's all one word, MMU Northern Quota. Please do leave us a rating. It helps spread the word and helps others find us. Remember, you can tweet at at RightsBang and follow us for updates about the podcast and about cases and stories we're following in the courts and in the news. Do let us know if there are topics or issues from your lectures or from your reading that you want us to cover in future future editions. But in the meantime, thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.